Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Good to see you this morning in the house. Welcome to everybody that's watching online with us today. And we are so glad. Now I can see you. It's so good to see you here today. How many of you are glad to be in church? Say amen. How many of you like the person you're sitting next to? Yeah, you do? Okay. Kelsey needs somebody to sit next to her today. Thought we found, okay, never mind. Anyway, hey, good morning, good morning, good morning. We're glad you're here. I'm going to ask my son-in-law, our youth pastor, Johnny, to come on up for a second. Uh, Johnny's got a great, great door that's been open to him at Richardson West Middle Junior High School. And uh, we want you to be a part of that church. There's two things that we want to do that you can be a part of. Number one, we want to raise no, $450, right? $450 because we're going to buy every one of the teachers in that school a a gift card to get them a cup of coffee. And then we're also uh, going, and it's 90 of them for $5, which is $450. And you can be a part of that. Just go online today, www.warehousechurch.com backslash give, and you can go to something that says Warehouse Cares under that, and just give something towards that, and you can be a part of that. He's doing it on Thursday. But there's something else that they asked you for, too. Face masks. Face masks. And they need face masks. They need disposable ones. They need regular ones. Got a call this morning from Warren, uh, one of the faithful families in our church, and he's donating a ton of them which we're very, very thankful for. But you can be a part of that as well. Uh, Johnny does something called Boys Club on Thursdays. We have some of our guys in church today uh, that are part of that ministry and has a great, great opportunity to have an influence on that whole school. He really has the ear of the superintendent, and we want to give him the resources to, to, to continue that ministry and bless students in our community. Amen, church? Give it up for Johnny, all right? Would you do that? Appreciate his great work there. And uh, we've been working there for a past, the past couple years. We've done some things for Thanksgiving. We've done some things for uh, different uh, outreach opportunities there. And that door is just wide, wide open. And we want to continue to see the gospel uh, influenced in that, com- in that school community. Hey, if you have your Bible with you, I'm going to invite you to turn open to 1 John chapter 2. We will have the verses up on the screen today for you if you don't have a Bible with you. Uh, we're in the series called For Show. Things that we can be absolutely sure of in our lives. And in our culture today, there's not, it just seems like there's not a whole lot of things that we're being communicated to uh, that we can be sure of. And if you go through this book of 1 John, it it just gives us something. I'm going to refer to this statement a lot in my message today. It gives us some absolutes. Absolutes are things that don't change. Absolutes are things that are stated in God's Word to help us to understand who God is, His truth. And the thing about God, we really, and and I struggled with this for a long time, and I've had a lot of people in our church reach back and say, Pastor, I struggle with the same thing too. There was a time in my life for years that I really, really doubted that I could have a personal relationship with God. And probably in about a year and a half to two-year period, I woke up almost every day would be reminded of the things I did wrong the day before, and I would just say, you know what, I'm probably not saved. And I would pray that prayer, the sinner's prayer, right, when I would confess my sins to the Lord and invite Jesus to come in and save me, 
I probably did that every day for about a year and a half because I just had this hard time believing that God could, could keep that commitment to me when I would always break that commitment to him. You know, I had a hard time believing that he still loved me even though I said this or did this or, or, or had a hard time with that. And God's word teaches us that we can be absolutely 100% sure of him, of who he is and who he wants to be in your life. But we're going to talk about some we're going to talk about some things that are true about God today. One specific attribute of God today that, that kind of throws a little bit of a wrench into this idea because, you know, I love the message of grace. You know, if God's forgiven you and you're thankful for that relationship with him, say amen. amen. That message of grace, that unmerited, undeserved favor, it, it just resonates in, in my own heart, in my life, and I know it does in your life too. But there are some things about God that we need to understand when we know that not only that we're secure in this relationship, but when you start to understand who God is, the things that he loves and the things that he doesn't care for and the things that he desires for your life and the things he doesn't want you to be a part of, really takes on a different context here in 1 John chapter 2. So we're going to read back. Last week we read, uh, we, we finished with verse uh, 15, I believe, but we're going to go from 12 to 17 today. So let me read this for you. Uh, this morning. Um, we're going to ask God to bless the reading of his word today as well. First John chapter 2, verse 12. I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on the account of his name. Just like we sang earlier, the, the wonderful name of Jesus. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I'm writing to you dear children because you know the father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. So we understand this secure, strong relationship. We'll get into this idea of the fathers and, and those that are young in the Lord and those that are babies in the Lord. But then he says this to all of us that know Jesus as personal Savior. Don't love the world or anything in the world. If anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of the Lord abides or lives forever. So we're going to talk about today why we should not love the world. Um, and I want to give you an understanding of this too, because, you know, when you think about loving the world, the world has a big, big meaning, doesn't it? It could mean the round globe world, if you will. It could mean your world in your life, where you go to work and the people you do community with. It can be uh, the world of your family, or it can be anything like that. When you consider what's in your world today, you know, your influence, your sphere that's in your life. But God tells us here, John tells us here, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, some specific things about not loving the world system. Then it talks about the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And he gives us some reasons why we should not love the world. Now, here's the first thing I want to share with you. We should not love the world because of what the world is. Now, this is not referring to the physical world itself. This is referring to the world's invisible spiritual system. Now, I know it's going to sound like I'm being all Halloweenish, you know, the invisible. Woo! Tori was, my grandson was in my room this morning. He was in my office while the, while the girls were getting ready for church and the music. And Tori said, Pop, come here. So what is it, buddy? It's a scary pumpkin. Look. 
and it was a scary pumpkin. And I said, you want me to change it? No, it's cool. So I don't know. I guess he liked that, but he wanted me to see the scary pumpkin. Now, I'm not, I don't want you to get all freaked out like I'm talking about all this, this strange invisible stuff and make you think I'm kind of crazy this morning, but the world system is this invisible spiritual system opposed to the things of God and his son, Jesus Christ. We have an enemy out there in our world today that sometimes we don't see. If you've been part of our church for any amount of time, I use this phrase a lot, that Satan is not trying to give you all kind of or drop a lot of destruction your way. What he's the master of is distraction. He's the master of distraction. And it doesn't take much for us to get distracted. See, here's the thing. The world that Satan controls opposes everything that has to do with God, his son, Christian ethics, Christian values, and more importantly, the word of God. Satan's attack on the world of God started all on the word of God, started all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 when the, when the snake, who Satan was inside this animal, said to Eve, now this is not a fable. We don't believe this is a fable or a story of morality. We believe this is truth because it's part of the word of God. And when Satan spoke to Eve that day and said, hey, what's the deal with the tree? Well, Eve said, well, we're not supposed to eat of the tree, nor shall we touch it, which is not really what God said, nor shall we touch it lest we die. And what's the first thing that that little rotten snake devil said to Eve? You're not going to die. God knows that when you eat of this, you're going to become just like him. And we're going to go back and refer to that in a few moments this morning. But the greatest attack of Satan that we see in our world today, church, and I want you to hear what I'm telling you this morning, is the normalization of things that are opposed to God. Do you understand what I'm saying when I say that? Things that are in the media, things that are on television, things that are in movies, things that we watch, things that we listen to, where we become so desensitized to these things that we're almost wanting some of these things to take place. And I'll tell you what I mean. Have you ever seen a a, a show a Netflix show or a movie where you're kind of cheering for two people to hook up or have a physical relationship and then you go back and you're like, wait a minute. We were watching a movie one time. I wish I remember the name of it because we've only watched about 7,000 in the last seven months. So, you know, it's hard to remember everything we've seen. But I remember watching this show. I don't know if it was a series or it was a movie. And there was... A husband and a wife, husband and a wife, but the husband liked this wife and the wife liked this husband, and they kind of made it seem like they should be together, and you were kind of like, oh, that needs to happen. It's just meant to be. You know, it should be that way. It should be that way. And then I was thinking, well, wait a minute. I'm kind of cheering for something that I talk about on Sunday that we shouldn't be doing. And I don't know about you, but God reminds me a lot that sometimes I'm a hypocrite. Does anybody ever, can you relate to that? That we're very hypocritical sometimes. And, I, and, I, and I, I just looked at that and said, well, that, that whole thing that, that, was, that I got sucked into and I was watching made me think that that was okay. How many things do we see and hear on television, in music, in movies that are making us feel like things are okay? Last night, I had the privilege to attend um, a fundraiser and a celebration of Life Talk Ministry up in Frisco. One of our church members, Monica Gross, is a volunteer there. She's been there for nine years. Gave great stories uh, of, of, I I love the one story that the weird musician shared, Monica, 
when he said a lady came in on Thursday. She had an appointment to go to Planned Parenthood Friday. She came in on Thursday. They spoke truth into her. She winded up accepting Christ as Savior. She made an appointment. She got to see her baby. She's going to keep her baby. Great, great story of victory. And this is what the guy said. And that was a Thursday. You know, I just, I really, that was really powerful because that happens there every day. Uh, people get saved every day, just about on a monthly basis. A lot of people make decisions to become Christ followers. And they, and they make decisions to keep their baby. That's a big deal, church. We're for that. Okay. Uh, then they showed this video. And this video was the video that, I, I don't know the name of the organization, so forgive me for this, but there was a pro-life video that, or a commercial that was made for the Super Bowl last year. And the Super Bowl, the NFL, and the network television would not show this because it was too controversial. It was too political. Now, we don't need to go there by, with talking about politics and sports and get everybody riled up this morning, okay? I'm not doing that to you. But I, what I want you to understand is this. What's happening by Satan today, and don't you think it's an accident because it's coming at you uh, 100 miles an hour and sometimes we don't see it. What he wants us to do, and the Bible said he was going to do this. This is one of his tactics. Where we start believing the things that are wrong are right and we start believing the things that are right are wrong. And we wind up getting in this thing where, where, we're, the, the, where this, this political correctness and, and sensitive towards people's feelings. And you know what? We don't need to apologize for the truth that's in the Word of God. Amen. Now, we need to be careful how we talk about it. We don't want to be judgmental. We certainly don't want to offend people in and of ourselves by the way we present our message, church. We have to be very careful with that. But we also have to be very careful to know that truth doesn't change. God doesn't change. And God sees sin way differently than you. Have you ever prayed this prayer when you prayed a prayer of forgiveness? I pray prayers of forgiveness every day. Does anybody else do that? And I remember praying one time, and I say this to God, and I sometimes, to be honest with you, church, just to be very open with you, I kind of pray this reluctantly. But I ask God to forgive me of my sins, and I say this to the Lord. Lord, help me to see sin the way that you do. Help me to see it that way. The sin that breaks your heart, the sin that sent your son to die on the cross for our sins, the sin that, that keeps me from having good fellowship, communion, or even blessings in my life from you. God, I want to see it the way that you do it. Because sometimes I justify. Sometimes I, I, I get caught up in what the world is saying is okay, even though it's not okay. Sometimes I get caught up in being extreme one way or the other. When, when the Bible's so clear, we shouldn't love the world because of what the world is and what it represents. Here's number two. We shouldn't love the world because of what the world does to us. What the world does to us. Worldliness is not so much about activity. We get really caught up in that. Did you hear that person did this? Did you hear that person did this? It's not about activity as much as it is about your attitude. About your attitude. And this principle I told you earlier is taught all the way back in the book of Genesis chapter 3 when we see the lust of the, the flesh talked about, which is, which is sin that happens in our life that appeals to our fallen nature, Right? We don't have to explain, I'm going to in a men's meeting, I don't have to take a whole lot of time saying, okay, guys, do you understand what the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes is? Don't get a whole lot of questions. Yep, I get it. I get it. I had somebody say to me one time, 
And it was, it was a sincere moment in counseling. He said, Pastor, there's a husband and a wife. And the wife said to me, Pastor, do men think about sex all the time? <laughs> okay. You know, I heard a yeah. And it was a man's voice. I just want you to know that that's over here. It was a man's voice that said that. And I said, ma'am, not all the time, only when they're breathing. So I tried to, <laughs> tried to help, her, help her out with that. So when we talk about the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, okay, oh, yeah, we get that. I understand that. I understand that. But the lust of the flesh is what things that appeal to our fallen nature. The lust of the eyes is when we desire things that we see that we shouldn't have or partake of. And then the pride of life is wanting to position ourselves to be better than others based on our selfish pride. Now, it talks about this in Genesis chapter 3. It says, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree that was good, which is lust of the flesh, she saw something that looked good. For food pleasing to the eyes, right? It, it, it looked good when she looked at it, lust of the eyes. God said, don't eat it. When you eat it, you're going to die. But she looked at it. And, and there was something about it that made her want it because the, the Satan said to her in the form of a snake, it's going to taste better than anything you've ever had in your whole life. And then she saw it and it looked good. It was appealing. And then it says also, it was desirable for gaining wisdom. She heard that if she ate this fruit, she would be as strong as God. And she wanted to position herself in a place that was contrary to where God had her already positioned. So the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And we see these things, and we get this, right? We understand, uh, you know, all of us don't have the same, you know, sin proclivities, if you will. We don't all struggle in the same area. There's probably some areas, a lot of guys in this room would say, Pastor, I understand when you talk about things you struggle with, I struggle with those things too. When we talk about pride of life, that's kind of a, you know, it's pride, you know. How, how's that? Well, it's, it's when we want to be something that we're not supposed to be. And we want something that, that we're really not supposed to have. And there's this, I love this verse in the Word of God. It says, but godliness with contentment. You know contentment is such a great character quality. Being content. You know, being content who you are and who God made you and, and what, what he's gifted you with and given you the abilities to do. But we all sin. We understand that. And we're all drawn into sin through these different areas. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. But the problem with that is, church, we, we look at these sins, and, 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 and what we wind up doing is we compare ourselves to other people to make ourselves not look as bad. Well, God, I know I gossip, but that is not as bad as looking at pornography. Well, God, I know I was, I was mean. I, I mean, I read a great post by a friend of mine today. He's a pastor up in New England, and I'm on this, this, this text thread thing. And some of those text threads drive me crazy, not from the original note, but from all the other 30 people that comment. And your phone just goes, you know, it just doesn't stop. But he wrote a story. He says, I was running late for church this morning. And I already liked that. I was running late for church this morning. Not that that happens to anybody here, but he said, I was running late for church this morning. He said, and I pulled out in front of somebody I shouldn't have pulled out. And as soon as I did, I realized I did the wrong thing. But then they started following me. And I was going, I turn right, they turn right. I turn left, they turn left. I went down the street. I pulled in the church parking lot and they followed me. He said, so I drove around the back of the building understanding this person goes to church here and I just cut them off on the way to church. You know, we all have things we struggle with, right? We all have things that we, that we have a hard time with. But he was talking about how that uh, he went and shared it to the church by way of confession. He said it was great. Everybody was laughing and yucking it up. 
But then he had to go apologize to that person that he went and pulled in front of and kind of got their day started the wrong way, right? We, life is just real, isn't it? But what, here's what we wind up doing. We say, that's not a big deal. I, this other guy over here did this the other day. This lady's doing this. And we compare ourselves amongst ourselves. And 2 Corinthians 10 says this. When we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, even though we're trying to puff ourselves up so that we look wise, the Bible says we look like fools. Because I, I, I have things I have a hard time with. Does anybody in the room have stuff they have a hard time with? But I also have friends that have a hard time with stuff that I don't have a hard time with. But I can't look at their lives and say, oh, man, God, at least I'm not like, whoo. You know, at least I'm not like Monica. She's really, really bad. You know, at least I'm not like Jeff. He's a junkyard dog. No, I don't say that. Because here's the truth about me. I know who I am. I hate that mirror. Does anybody else hate a mirror? I hate them. Hate them. Especially the ones that look inside of my heart and I see who I really am. But it's what the world does to us. What does the world do to us? It takes us farther than we ever want to go. Makes us, it hurts us more than we could ever believe. You know what else it does? It hurts others more than we could ever imagine. The world does things to us. The world system. What the world says, this is okay. This is okay. Everybody else is doing it. It's your life. It's your decision. You don't have to listen to anybody else. Here's the problem with all that, church. That's not what the Bible says. And we can't base our feelings on our feelings. We've got to base our feelings on truth. And there's some things in the Bible, frankly, that I have a hard time with. Ugh, wish it didn't say that. Why does it got to talk about gluttony? I don't like that. God made food. Let us eat it. Come on for crying out loud. I hate that, you know. But I'll be more personal than that. Why did God create sex and put so many boundaries with it? Just, just let us, you know, if you can't be with the loved one you love, honey, love the one you're with. You know, I don't understand. Why do we, why do we struggle with that? Why is that like a, a thing for us? Loving the other things that people have. Well, those, I'm just making goals for my life. Why shouldn't I gossip? Or why shouldn't I do this? Or why shouldn't I do that? I don't like that. Listen, just because, church, just because we disagree with something the Bible says doesn't mean it's not truth. If we disagree with it, that means maybe we're the person that's wrong. And we've got to start looking at this as our standard for life and practices for everything that we do. The Bible teaches me what kind of man I'm supposed to be. Teaches me what kind of husband I'm supposed to be. Teaches me what kind of friend I'm supposed to be. Teaches me what kind of father I'm supposed to be. Teaches me what kind of pastor I'm supposed to be. Teaches me what kind of person in society I'm supposed to be. Teaches me my civic duties. You know, we have the election coming up. Yay, can't wait. It's going to be so fun, right? But all these things that we have that are responsibilities for us, we say, well, the Bible's kind of gray about that. No, it's not. The Bible's not gray. But what we do is we want to, we want to skim over those hard to... Let me get the Psalms. Psalms is a lot easier. I want to read this stuff about obedience and stuff. The world does some things to us. It says it in verse 15. Don't love the world, things in the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Verse 17, the world and its desires pass away. But if you do the will of God, you'll live forever. We're going to get back to that in just a second. But we shouldn't love the world, number three, because of who we are. Because of who we are. I made a commitment to my wife on May the 18th, 1985, and most of you know this already, I waited until I was 18 until I got married. This is a little funny if you think about that, right? But we were, we were 18 when we got married. 
And I remember, I'm, t- I'm telling you, listen, my friend Andy, I put a picture of my, my wife and myself online yesterday. We were going out to dinner to be with the grosses for the Life Talk thing. And Andy reminded me that I outpunted my coverage, no doubt about it. And he's saying that from personal experience too, right, Andy? Amen. I'm trying to help you, brother. Anyway, so, I, but I remember this. On May 18th, 1985, it was in the morning. It was raining really, really bad. I had a white tux on with tails, white shoes, white tie. Like I was like this angelic blob of a being on my wedding day. I said, I thought the, I told my wife, I thought the bride was supposed to wear white. She says, no, you're wearing white too. I said, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> Try to rent size 14 shoes in white, okay? It's a lot of fun. So anyway, I remember standing up there, and I'm telling you, and this probably has happened to any groom, whether you're 18 or 35, and I remember going, holy crap, what am I doing? I'm 18 years old. I shouldn't be getting married today. I should be out drinking with my buddies. I should be hanging out. I should be doing this. I should be dating other girls. 18 years, I'm going, and I'm kind of having this moment, and I felt like my body was kind of swirling a little bit, right? And then, of course, my wife, Kim walks in the room, Abraham Lincoln, I was like, okay, everything's okay. She, you know, all that stuff. Lady in red, blah, blah, blah. Every love song came to my mind. It was a wonderful moment. We got married, and here we are today, blah, blah. Anyway, but I remember that day specifically because... Every time I do a wedding, I say things. Do you take to having to hold, da-da-da-da-da, from this day forward? I don't know if you, many, all of us have probably been to a wedding, right? And I can remember many, many times being in a wedding that I'm not performing, that my wife is with me, and I'll put my arm around her, we'll kind of hold each other a little tight, and she'll say, that's right, that's us. We did it, having to hold this day forward, da-da-da-da-da, and all the things that you're supposed to say during a wedding ceremony. I made that commitment to her. And I'm thankful that it was her because she's influenced me to be faithful in that commitment. I'm not a good man, but I know that I made that commitment very, and I, I, I was very serious about it. But the, you know, when, when we read this passage here, and it talks about fathers, young men, and little children. Last week we talked about you had mature in the Lord, you had people that were kind of coming into their own, and then you had babies in Christ. But I want to kind of put a little spin on that this morning and tell you this. When the Bible talks about spiritual fathers and talks about young men or young believers that are kind of coming into their own in spiritual manhood or spiritual adulthood, and then little children that are kind of in spiritual infancy, those three are identified there because the group that's above the group that's below you should be helping that group below you. Here's what I mean. Those that are coming into their own spiritually ought to be helping out babies in Christ. Fathers ought to be helping out those that are coming into their own fathers and mothers, and those that are young in the Lord. We have a responsibility, church. We have a responsibility to those that are in the same age group, if you will. I don't care if you're 35 years saved or a year saved. Being mature in the Lord has to do with your level of obedience and submission to Him, knowing Him, following Him, um, pursuing Him, understanding what He's teaching in His Word, and you're submitted to it and you follow that. Fathers in the Lord, mothers in the Lord, those that are spiritually mature. Listen, you're not a spiritually mature person if you're not guiding somebody that's a little bit younger than you in the Lord. That's part of our responsibility. The Bible told us in Matthew chapter 28, we're supposed to preach the gospel. We get that. We talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ every Sunday. We talk about baptism. Last week, we baptized people in my really warm pool And we had a great, great time, and we were encouraged by all those who took that step of faith and obedience to the Lord's commands, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. We celebrate that. But there's another responsibility we have, and that's this principle. That ta- it's talked about in Proverbs. It's talked about throughout the Gospels. It's talked about through the epistles in the New Testament. We have a responsibility to disciple young believers. Not just fathers and mothers passing on their faith to their kids, but you and I looking out for each other. I have a responsibility to Johnny and to Evan and to Nick, my son-in-laws, to pour into their lives. I have a responsibility to pour into my daughter's lives. I have a responsibility to pour into your lives. Um, and we all have a responsibility with each other. Because here's the thing, church. We need, God created us with not only a desire, but a need to have spiritual community. How many of you are thankful for somebody that's been influential spiritually in your life? Raise your hand up in the air. Right? So God wants us to take that and do the same thing to other people as well. We shouldn't love the world because of what we're supposed to be. But we get caught up, sucked up, and we identify with that more than we identify with the Lord Jesus Christ at times in our lives. We have to be careful with that. We are a permanent part of God's family. Even though you and I haven't always been faithful to him, he's always been faithful to us. He's not going to walk away. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. The Bible tells us, we read the very first week in 1 John chapter 5, I'm writing these things, as Johnny referred to you this morning, I'm writing these things. I want to affirm you. I want you to know that this is truth. To you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. We want you to be saved, but we want you to know that once you accept Christ as Savior, you are part of God's family forever and ever, and that's never going to change. We shouldn't love the world because of what a Christian is. We shouldn't love the world because where the world is going. Verse 17, the world and its desires, they're going to pass away. All the stuff that's against God's way, God's will, God's system. I was listening to the, some of the talk last night at this um, life clinic, life talk clinic. Awesome ministry. Just love this place. Monica, we're, gonna, we're taking them on for monthly support, not just because of you but because we believe, we believe that we ought to be a part of something like that. But that's not a popular message. You know, well, what about this? Or what about, well, what about? I just, I can't get away from what the word of God says. We should not love the world because where the world is going. First Corinthians seven thirty one says this, those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them for the world and in its present form, are going to pass away. All the craziness that's happening in our world today, how'd you like to be 18 years old and this was your first presidential election you got to vote for? That's depressing. I was talking to my, some of my kids about it this week. Dad, it doesn't make sense. It feels like this is wrong. It feels like this is wrong. This is kind of crazy. This is kind of... And it's true. It's confusing. It's very, very, very confusing. And I love that there are so many young people taking, reading, and, and uh, trying to understand not just, the, not just the person, but the platform. We're going to talk about that next month. I don't want to get political this morning. Because what we need to base everything we do on is the Bible. The Bible. We shouldn't love the world because where the world is going. We shouldn't love the world because we should be pursuing the will of God with all of our heart and in our lives pursuing. There's this great religious concept 
taught by other denominations and other beliefs. That you can live as kind of bad as you want to all week long, but if you come and ask the Lord for forgiveness on Friday and then go to church on Sunday, it kind of cleans the slate to start your week out again next week. And that's kind of a good thing because then you could kind of do whatever you want to all week long knowing that Friday I'm going to say I'm sorry for it. You know, I'm going to make it right on Friday and then I'm going to put some icing on the cake and go to church on Sunday, which gives me the liberty to do whatever I want to Monday through Friday, right? That's religion. Religion's not what we believe in. We believe in a relationship with Jesus. But we should be pursuing. How are, let me ask you this question. You came to church today. You're watching church today. So I believe that there has been an effort on your behalf to pursue God. Listen to this verse in Colossians chapter 1, verse number 9. For this reason, since the day that we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to, f- to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Pursuing God. Reading some Bible. Memorizing some verses. Praying God's will in your life, praying that God would use you to be light and salt that Jesus described in Matthew chapter 5, praying that God would use you to be a blessing to somebody that hurts, praying that God would use you not to judge others. Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged, but to love others unconditionally, no matter what, no matter what they believe that's differently than you are. Do we need to be, you don't believe what we believe. We hate you. That's not God's message. They're not going to see Christ's love in us if the first thing they experience from us is hatred. And we love that. We love the us and them stuff. Christians are really, really good about that. We're, we're good. They're bad. Well, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, I believe, there is none righteous. No, not one. We think we're good. We're not good. We think we're better. We're not better. Just because you say you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're all that in a bag of peanuts or chocolate, look, if you're, in case you're allergic to peanuts, I'm sorry. That doesn't mean that. Here's what it means. You put your belief system in this, and everything you do in your life ought to be drawing people to believe the same thing. Because you know what I think that happens? In the book of Revelations, the Bible talks about people that live a lukewarm life. And God says, if you're hot or cold, I'm just going to spew you out of my mouth. I don't, I, there's some, my girls like something I don't like. It's cold coffee. I don't get it. How many of you like cold coffee? Raise your hand up in here. Okay, hold on. Keep them up. Keep them up. How many of you prefer hot coffee? Okay. It's pretty, it's pretty half and half. But did you, whether you like cold coffee or hot coffee, did you ever have a cup of coffee sitting on your desk right, and, and you kind of forgot about what time the day got away from you and you went to drink it and either you expected it to be cold because I'm really, really cool and I like cold coffee or you expected it to be really hot because that's how you remember when you first, and you, you took that first drink and you went, because it was just like the temperature of the room and it tasted weird. You know what I'm saying? That's what the Bible says God feels about us when we're kind of, I know I should be all the way over here, but they're really extreme and they're radicals. I don't want to be that way. And I know those people are really, really bad, so I don't want to be that way. So I'm going to take my place right here in the middle and not take a stand for anything. You know what God says about that? That's what he says about about us. Jesus gave us this great verse. I'm going to read these verses to you in Matthew 7. I'm going to pray. See, when we're on this place where... We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, and 
if we take a stand for something, people are going to think that we're trying to be better than them. So, so we're just going to kind of be in this place in the middle where we don't, we don't want to hurt feelings, but we don't want to live as crazy as those people over there do. And, and the Bible says it's like being tossed in like a wind to and fro. It's how the Bible describes that. But here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 27. This is great. Therefore, everybody who hears my words and puts them into practice, we can stop right there. If you hear God's word and put them into practice, that's a sign of spiritual maturity. If you hear God's word, don't just be a doer, but don't just be a hearer, James says, but be a doer. I heard it. I'm glad that you're hearing me this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm honored by that. But I asked God, I said, God, I don't want anybody seeing me this morning. Let me just be a clear, translucent, I, is, is translucent clear? Is that the right word? Translucent vehicle for you to, for people to hear and understand you, that people don't see me. Therefore, everybody who hears these words of mine, Jesus said, and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. You know how those verses go? The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it didn't fall because its foundation was on the rock. This is the foundation he's talking about. But then it says, but everybody who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. And, here, and here's, I, I want to add this to this too. I'm not adding to God's word, but I just want you to think about this. You can hear what I'm saying. You can even agree with me. You can even be like an amener or talk to me in church, which I would like more of. I, honestly, I love when people talk to me in church because it keeps me going. It keeps me, you know, Sergio's always in there. Amen. You know, he always gives me a good one. Dave does that too. You know, Chris will do it once in a while when his wife's not sitting with him. But I like that. I, I like, but here, here's the thing. We'll come in, we'll hear it, and we'll even agree with it, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But here, there's, there's, there's another thing that the Bible says here, but does not put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rains came down. What's the next part of that song? The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the sand went. So then what does it say next? Build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. The things in the world are like sand. They're insecure. There's so much noise. There's so many things trying to draw our attention and make us base what we do and what we say on feelings, not on truth. But the relationship that we have with God is as solid as a rock. The world and its system are gonna fade away, church. Are you invested in building your house on the sand? Because the flood's coming. You're going to build it on the rock. You know, I'm, I'm reading through this this week and talking to the Lord about it. And I ask Him, I ask Him all the time. I, I think most of my studies probably more for me than anybody else. Not to sound like I'm being selfish, but I need it. I hope it's an encouragement to you. But I asked the Lord this week, Lord, where am I bu building things on sand? 
and, and not on you? Where am I not being influenced by the world? I shouldn't. I need to more make my life decisions more based on you. Hey, I hope you didn't just hear me today. I'm thankful if you agree with me. But let's put all God's word into practice this week. Amen. Father, today, um, I want to thank you for your word. It's hard, it, it's really hard to talk about with authority, Father. Um, living a life that honors you all the time, loving people the way that we're supposed to, being salt and light to draw people to you, not to be judgmental, all these different things. We know that are true, but we hear them and, and we agree with them. And I, just like I'm saying this about myself first, but putting them into practice, wow, it's such a challenge. But Father, I know that you, you hate sin. You hate sin so much that you let your son die to pay for that sin for something you loved more and that was us and I thank you Jesus that you gave yourself for us and you paid for the sin of all of humanity by dying on the cross and pouring out all of your blood so that I could be forgiven so that every man and woman in this room could be forgiven and I pray that over everybody's life this morning if they don't know you that they'll know you today everybody that's in our auditorium everybody that's watching online today Lord we pray that they will have a personal relationship with you that that will start today but first I want to pray for Father all the believers that are watching and part of our service today Lord help us not be tossed like the wind back and forth help us not plan ourselves in places we shouldn't be but build our lives on the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for anybody that's with us today that doesn't know you as Savior, that today they would call on your name and be saved. If you've never asked Jesus to forgive you or come into your life and save you, you can, ha you can make that decision this morning by praying to God, asking him to forgive you of your sins and inviting him to be your personal Savior. And here's how that prayer goes. You say this to God. You say these words to him if you've never prayed before. Just say, dear God, just say that in your heart. Dear God, please forgive me of all my sins and come into my life and save me. I believe that you are God's son. I believe that you died and I believe that you rose again so that I can have a relationship with you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me today and help me to live for you. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, just lift your hand up and I'll just say thank you to the Lord for what he's done in your life. God bless you. Anybody else like that today? God bless you, sweet girls. Anybody else? Now, Christian, I'm going to pray for you, but I want you to be honest with God. And I'm not standing in a place of judgment because this is I'm, I'm praying this for my life too. How many would pray and say, you know what, Pastor, I need to love things of God more than I love things of the world today. There's an area or some areas in my life that I'm kind of getting caught up into that I shouldn't be. And I want to identify with and put my life, all of my life, on the firm foundation of your word and the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's true about you this morning, I'll put my hand up first. Go ahead and raise your hand with me real quick. Father, you know where every man and every woman struggles, struggles, has moral dilemmas with every day of their life, Lord. Places where we, places where Satan hits us, hits some of us harder than he hits others. And Father, we ask for victory in the lives for every person that lifted their hand up and sees that. But we also pray, Lord, that you would help all of us today, all of us today, put our foundation in you. Lord, we pray for our world. We pray for our country. 
We pray for the election coming. Lord, we're not praying for a person. We're praying for your hand to be on this country, that, that we would do your will, and you would continue to use this country, Lord. And I believe that you, when you founded this country uh, and, and, and put it on the heart for people to come here for religious freedom, even though there's some things in our past that are strange and we still have to reconcile for, you did that so that your gospel would spread all over the world. But we've been distracted. We've been distracted. Help us to focus on what you've called us to focus on and obey you and obey your word. We love you and we thank you for your patience. God, I thank you for your patience in my life and your patience in the lives of all of us this morning. Lord, use us this week. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, and everybody say it with me. Amen. Amen.